All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you! This is my boomstick! What's your favorite scary movie? What up, whoreheads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are here in February, and we are kicking off a what's really going to be a great rest of the year by splitting up February between what we have done for the past two years in February. But before I get too far into that, I do want to take a second here at the top because I know she listens. I need to give a big shout out to my mom who this week informed me that uh, she is getting me a ticket to go see Rob Zombie and Alice Cooper with her in September in Alpharetta, Georgia. And I could not be more excited. It will be my first time to see either one of them live. And we, she got us, she got us pretty good seats. My mom is an Alice Cooper fanatic. Like she normally Mm. will go when she's not buying, you know, like multiple tickets. She'll (laughs) usually like pay money to sit like front three rows at an Alice Cooper concert. I'm pretty sure she's been like sprayed with blood when he decapitates his daughter or whatever on stage. You would hope so. If if you're, if you're paying for, you know, first three rows, you're hoping to be blood. And so um, it's the, I think it's called the Freaks on Parade Tour or something. Super excited. So mom, you may be watching. I know you'll listen later, whatever. Thank you. I love you. Very excited about that. So um, speaking of love, we are taking the first half of February and we are dedicating it to doing romantic horror movies, which if you remember about two years ago, we found quite a few and they ran the gamut of, you know, kind of what type of romance slash horror that they were so we took to the interwebs this week and we tried to find something we haven't seen and boy did we find something in the movie (laughs) after midnight that we are doing this week this movie came out in 2019 Mm -hmm. and i really just kind of found it googling romantic horror so in a section that we are calling horrifyingly lovely dave you had some interesting things to say not inflammatory or anything like that just seemed very confused so take us through what your thought process here is at at the top okay so i think that this might be one of the best movies that we've ever had on the podcast but i think it might be the worst horror movie (laughs) we've ever done on the show um because there is a lot to like in this movie but i think that to advertise this movie as a horror movie i and i i think that it really starts to fall apart when there's something that happens at the end that i was hoping would happen and then i i regretted hoping it would happen <laughs> um so um we'll, we'll talk about it what, what i do know is that very rarely do you get this type of depth of character and and this yeah. sort of development and self-reflection in a horror movie and i still don't know that we've gotten this level of self-reflection and depth of character in a horror movie because i i still don't know if i'm i still don't know if this is a horror movie 
Look, I, you know, I think that every once in a while, a movie comes along that kind of stretches and pushes against the boundaries of what is considered to be within that genre, right? Mm-hmm. We, we've started to see it recently and, you know, it's possibly the bursting bubble of the superhero movie, but people are finally kind of taking that idea and then pushing it, you know, new mutants for all its flaws yeah. showed mm-hmm. us that, that, that super movies, super, super, superhero movies can be horror movies, right? They, they, they push that. They kind of, they, they mm-hmm. wrote against that. You've got, you've got these other, you've got the Miss Marvel series saying, well, superheroes can be about coming of age. Yeah. And so you, you've got these things that are pushing. And I think that in the past, when we've done romantic horror, we have done things, with the exception of Love Witch, we have done things that were horror movies with romantic elements. And I think that, you know, that's more what we were kind of expecting when we did this one. What we got here was a romance movie, like a drama, a relationship drama movie with horror elements. Uh, for better or for worse, that's what it was. Like you're absolutely right. I think that in advertising this as 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 horror, it, it does kind of put you into the wrong mindset. That being mm-hmm. said, I do think that there are parts of it that were very horror themed, and I don't think that it's completely undeserving of the moniker horror. Mm-hmm. But it's it does stretch kind of what you're looking for. I think that this movie is wildly weird. Uh, just so many of the things that happen. So yeah. sub like the iconoclast, like bizarre kind of characters that we get that, that on the one hand seem so ridiculous, but on the other hand, you're like, yeah, no, th- those are people. That's how people are. Mm-hmm. I think that you, you look at those things and you, you just, when you, you step back and you look at the bigger picture here, I think that we got a really quality product. One of the most interesting things I've found while researching this movie today is I've used the word divisive on this show before, but holy shit, I don't know that it has ever applied more than to this movie. This is a movie that has a 90% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but you go to IMDb and Google and the thing's averaging less than five. This is, and so then I start digging into other movies that it turns out this is by like a collective of guys who kind mm-hmm. of uh, all work together to make these. They've made two other sci-fi horror movies that also seem to be that divisive. 90 plus percent on Rotten Tomatoes, nothing above a six on IMDb. And so you start to try to figure out where in this gray area you sit. Because you look at something like that and you 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 start to feel like you have to love it or you have to think that it's kind of crap. And so I've been back and forth with myself about that a lot of times. But I think that right now, like so often is the case, his story, her story, the truth. I think that, that, that finding how this movie works and what makes it great is in that gray. I think that somewhere in the middle is where we're going to find what makes this movie worthwhile because when it was all said and done i really really liked it the other two movies these guys did are streaming on peacock right now and i'm probably gonna end up watching them this weekend well i i I don't think that the problem with this movie is in its writing or its directing Mm 
Um, I I really think that the problem with this movie is me. I see, and yeah, the, yeah, that's that's a, that's a very self aware thing to say. And, and I, I I know that it's really just that I I feel like the horror element was shoehorned in because as we're getting into it, I guess we'll, we'll, you know, in a section that we're calling before sunrise monster edition, um, the, the, the story here is like you said, this is a, um, it's almost a breakup story. It's not right. really a, um, a love story, but it is a sort of, by the time the movie is over reconnecting. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that the amount of soul searching that happens in this movie is incredible. And I think that it can all be summed up in one scene, which is uh, the scene in which Abby and Hank are finally sitting down and talking in the present um, in front of the door waiting yeah. for this monster to come back. And, um, there were times throughout the movie where I definitely got before sunrise, um, you know, before sunset and all that right. you know, um, feel from the movie. And I think naming it after midnight, I mean, it's that's not by mistake either. Right. You know? So so I was pushed in that direction. But that moment was the one where I was like, this is what the movie's about. This movie, I think um, that is the core of the movie. So wh what did you think about the story? So, like I said, movies that push boundaries, right? We've done movies on this show that make you reconsider the definition of horror. I'm not talking about the definition of the genre of horror. We know that yeah. to be expansive beyond all measure. I'm talking about does something that is just awful, that is in itself a horrible situation, warrant being called a horror movie when we did antebellum we're going okay this is about the horror of america's past you know america's mm -hmm. america's great greatest shame when you know we when we've done talk to me and some of these other things there there's that underlying idea of the fact that it is horrible to have to grieve mm -hmm. for somebody so you you start to look at these ideas and so until now it's been these huge just monumental fucking things grief is, is is immeasurable slavery hands down the worst thing ever right so whenever we've looked at it redefined we've found that somebody has rested on the idea of something that's awful beyond measure can is horrible and therefore this is a horror movie i think that what uh what jeremy gardner did beautifully with this story was address the fact that getting broken up with can feel like apocalyptic it is horrible especially when you're in a situation where you had just pictured that this was it right this is going to be the rest of your life and so I think that what Gardner did here was he he made us look through a different lens of what we consider horror. And we're given this story of Hank, who we're kind of immediately met with the fact that his girlfriend left him and something weird is is a coming to his house at night. And he's trying to defend himself, but he's also trying to live his life and all of these things get wrapped up and you, you start to look at all of these elements 
in his life that are horrible. The fact that he just got broke up with the fact that he lives in a shitty town that, yeah, you know, there comes a moment where, where in every person who lives in a shitty town's life, regardless of how much, uh, you know, fucking Toby Keith RIP, they listen to, they acknowledge that it's like, yeah, okay. So this is a shit town, right? As much as pop punk loves to sing about being from a shit town, they're not actually country musicians who sing about loving their towns are from shit towns. And right. at some point in their life, they acknowledge that it's a shit town. And so all of these things came crashing down on this guy at one time, delivered beautifully in a, a monologue at the end or, or not even toward, toward getting closer to the end when he starts talking and he acknowledges that, yeah, you know what? Sure. This might've been horrible for you, but when you left, I was left alone trying to run my bar by myself in a town that sucks in a house that sucks. You don't get to talk to me about this. Mm -hmm. And all of those things I started to view through a lens of being horror with the backdrop of this monster. And it was like just enough to tip the scales for me. And they, there was, there was some great uh, tense scenes between him and the monster. Uh, uh, when he's chasing his cat, when he's chases it into the mm -hmm. woods, we get this great scene where we kind of get our first glimpse of it. You've got these scenes where he's just trying to hold it together, both physically, like trying to hold the couch against the door to keep this thing from coming in, but also trying to hold it in mentally because his entire world has collapsed. And the further I got into this movie and the more I bought in to the story and caring about the people who are in it, the more I found myself willing to unashamedly slap the horror label on this thing because I feel like if nothing else, it was an experiment in what you are willing to consider horror. And I really enjoyed that. I can't agree. <laughs> okay. And um, I was with you until I started thinking about what you were saying. And I want to agree i really do but i have one glaring issue with this story and that's that the monster's real right and and i think that that cheapens the story okay. um and i i mentioned that there was a moment that happened at the end of the movie that i was hoping would happen which is um he's delivering this beautiful monologue yeah. about the you know the the town and just before that his you know piece of shit brother-in-law you know to be is right. is you know on his fucking soapbox and i'm like please jump out from the fucking window and just maul this guy and the moment the thing jumped out i said it's a real monster <laughs> and I knew that that's not what I really wanted. What I wanted was for the monster to be everything he was dealing with in his personal life, because that can be a monster and that can be a horror story. When we look at ourselves, when we when we do self-reflection, that's fucking terrifying, because when you look at yourself naked in the mirror, and you're seeing everything that you are. There's no hiding. 
You see all the ugly, you see all the beautiful, but you see all the ugly too. And I thought that's where this was going. When she looks at him in that scene, and fuck, I love that scene. When she looks at him and she says, I don't think your monster's coming. Like, fuck, yes. The monster was inside you all this time. You couldn't face it. And now that your your monster has come back and is looking at you and forcing you to look at what you did to her because you were her monster. Like, fuck, what a masterfully written scene, beautifully acted. I mean, the, the acting in this movie is stellar. Yeah. And then the monster jumped out. And, and then through my mind started running a myriad of scenarios that could have made the real monster work for me. It could have been that she was the monster the whole time. The thing came when she left, right? Right. Uh, maybe it's some sort of like, um, I don't know, like, like some sort of werewolf thing where every 10 years she's got to become a monster <laughs> and she's got to sate her, her, you know, thirst for blood or something, right? It eats a cat. And then all of a sudden she shows up coincidence i guess so that's what maybe. this movie's telling us you know maybe it's a familial thing right maybe her brother's the fucking monster right maybe he worried the monster into existence maybe it's a fucking alien they keep talking about fucking ufos right i don't know but what i do know is that to make the core of the movie how dealing with your own personal shit is like dealing with a monster and then throwing the monster at you at the end to me made it feel like like it was meaningless like it was not worth it and i feel like if we remove that scene from the end of the movie you just fade to black with him singing uh singing stay yeah what 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 an ending what an ending he's 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 reflected realized and you can see that there's real growth in him yeah you can see it I, I i don't know how he did it he's it he's an incredible actor but you 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 see it in him it's like i'm giving you this not because i think it's what you need but because i want to give it to you i want you to flourish my yeah. happiness is directly affected by yours and now that i see that you're unhappy i need to make you happy i loved that I absolutely loved it. And then the monster jumped out. To me, this movie has uh, an, a, an identity crisis that, um, and maybe it's, maybe it's me. In fact, I'm like 99% certain it's me. That it just didn't work for me. But I feel like that ending damn near ruins the movie um, for, for me. So I had a feeling that that once once I saw that scene, because I'm not gonna lie, initially when the monster jumped out, I like I giggled, like it caught me off guard, like I mm -hmm. was I was frightened, but I, I laughed because like holy shit, the monster's real, yeah. And so and so then it wraps, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, all right, I get where Dave's coming from because what you texted me was what you said at the top. This is an amazing movie, but it might be the worst horror movie that we. Mm -hmm. so i'm sitting there going all right where, where's 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 the fault lie and i and i kind of felt like that might be where you landed so i've spent today kind of <laughs> <laughs> i have spent today 
creating a headcanon for what I believe we have here. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, take it for what you will. I doubt it's going to change your mind, but I will, I think it's happened before. I I think it will frame it slightly differently. Okay. So if the, if the horror of this movie is having to deal with all of this shit and we see, we see it in his face, we see it and we're going to get to characters. We see it in the amazing actor acting of Jeremy Gardner of how tortured he is about everything that is going on. And this is a word that I've used multiple times in the podcast, but it it is there is a Tibetan legend of something called a tulpa. And a tulpa is something that comes to be because so many people feed into the fact that it exists. Right there. There's there's just tons of cases of where people think that these types of things have happened. And so when you so if, if you take that. And you take that idea of a tulpa and you say, okay, so if the horror in this guy's life is all of this misery that he's feeling, all of this regret, all of this doubt about whether or not he does actually love his town, all all of this just nonsense that he's dealing with, and it comes to a head when Abby leaves him. And so now this guy is consumed by this and the energy created around him becomes so powerful that it manifests as something but it only manifests as something to him because that was always the biggest question right barlow does not seem to be a big town why is this thing only fucking with him he has put a bear trap out and a couple of rounds of what i assume is buckshot based on the size of the hole in the door it blew So why does it continue to fuck with him? Why not move on to somebody that's got kids if you're just trying to eat Mm -hmm. something? It specifically wanted him. It was feeding on him. The more that it messed with him, the more that it kept him up at night, the more that he was unable to rest easy and he was less able to cope with all of these things that were going on, the stronger and the more that this thing was able to exist. So in this headcanon that I believe I have masterfully crafted. You have. <laughs> as he's singing that song, the all of that melts away. Like you're saying it does. Because in that, he sees his reflection. He comes to terms with all of these things. And he's now putting them on the shelf. This thing can no longer feed on him. But it doesn't just cease to exist. It now has to actually fight to survive. And so it then actually attacks him because it needs to put that fear back in. It's it's almost tangentially Freddy versus Jason, right? Where he has to bring Jason to remind <laughs> everybody who's Freddy is because Freddy can't exist if people don't know he's there and can't dream about him. He has to remind Hank that his monster is real and his monster is coming and it is a monster of his creating. So that's why it's going to attack him. Not the douchebag brother, not what we can only assume is probably the easiest target in the room with his, with his buddy who just seems to be an idiot. It attacks him because him being afraid of the monster is what feeds it. So then by standing up to it, 
he not only just physically kills it by stabbing it to death with deer antlers, the antlers that are supposed to protect his house as written in Native American lore, according to his idiot buddy. But he defeats it because in that moment, he's whole. He no longer is feeding into the energy, the power that has created this thing. So he is literally physically and metaphorically killing this thing simultaneously because at this point he knows he's going to propose. He knows his life is going to move on and he's going to fix these things that were the burden upon him that created this monster. So he, we, what we see is a man literally wrestle with his demons and defeat them on screen. And I fucking love that. <laughs> I would have absolutely loved if Gardner and Stella had put that amount of thought into <laughs> conveying that message to me in the movie. Because that's 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 amazing. Now, you know what I think would have been fantastic? If we can get the scene with the monster attacking him, the ripping of the antlers off of fuck what was what did they call the deer uh valentine val val yeah ripping val's antlers off which symbolically is beautiful right because abby comes home and this thing that she hates is sitting up on the wall it's like how long did i go before you brought this thing out right right um he destroys this thing which represents his individuality his inability to like um to be with her and his fucking to commit roots. to her and, and he he rips that out and kills his monster with that i mean that's amazing that's beautiful writing but then it's a real monster it's not his <laughs> monster if they had come into the room and he was holding these antlers and they were stuck in the floor and there was nothing there Wow, what a fucking ending. Okay. That that would have been incredible because then he truly would have been wrestling his demons and not this monster. Which, by the way, awesome design. Yeah. I think it's a really cool design for a monster. Freakishly the, original. The, yes, yes, really original. The scene where you first see it eating the cat, That I, I was like, holy fuck. It yes. took me totally like... I was out of the moment. I was in the moment and then out of the moment because I was reflecting on how amazing that one scene was. And then I thought, dude, this movie's almost over. Yeah. Like, I've waited an hour and 15 minutes to get this scene. Mm, I don't know now. I don't know. Because am I coming to this for the horror or am I coming to this for all the other things that I can find in any other movie? And, and I think that that's where, that's where my, my real problem with this is, is that everything that you created in your head canon is awesome. And I love it. <laughs> Thank you. But I'm just not seeing it in the movie. I'm just not seeing it in the movie. And I, I, think, I think that there's too many jumps in logic to make that happen for me. And, and I think that if this was a more traditional monster movie, I think it would have worked better. And if I, I and I think that if this was more of a traditional romantic drama, it would have worked more because I'll tell you something. 
I don't know if I'm ever going to watch this movie again. Fair. Ever. And, and I, in fact, don't know who I can recommend this movie to. And, and, and to me, that's, that, that's a big thing that's going to figure into the ratings. Cause there's movies that I don't like myself, but I can see who I'm going to recommend this movie to. And right now, the only people that I can think of that I would recommend this movie to are um, Jeremy Gardner and Christian Stella's parents. <laughs> <laughs> your your kids created something. Go watch it. Um, and it's a beautiful looking something. It is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, as, as we wrap up the story here, I, I think there, there, there's one thing that, that we can't understate. Uh, so this movie, imagine if Blue Valentine had a monster in it, right? That's that's kind of where we <laughs> ended up. Um, so, but one thing that, that I think here, here's where we're definitely both going to agree is the fact that the the level of character development and death, depth that we get out of these people from these actors is incredible. So in a character in a section that we're calling Barlowians take us, I mean, look, we're, we're we'll probably be able to hit everybody here, right? There's like four people to talk about <laughs> and, and we're kind of stretching it to talk about one of them. Right. So let's just, let's, let's run through the characters of this thing. I'll let you have first pick. Um, I mentioned uh, to you off camera um, that uh, Henry Zabrowski, is the guy that to me, like every time he was on screen, he made me laugh. Yeah. He, um, he actually reminded me a lot of you. Um, you know, I, I, he didn't strike me. Uh, you were saying that he kind of played uh, an idiot. He didn't strike me as an idiot. Um, but he did strike me as a very caring guy who didn't necessarily care what other people had to think about him. And, and I think in a movie, filled with very real people he felt the most real to me um he, yeah he was funny man he was and and a lot of that did come from from his sense of humor which was self-deprecating um but to me it was like i i know this guy i know and 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 i see myself in this guy um he i i i think just wow every scene he was in i was grateful that he was in it and I don't think he ever stole the scene. Um, you know, he wasn't chewing up scenery or anything like that, but he was, I think really honest. I don't know how much he brought of himself to this role, how much he brought of, you know, guys he grew up with or people in his family, but man, he, he really, when he was on screen, I fucking loved it. Yeah, no, he uh there he was he was a very good character who I think that the way you put it is is really good where you're every time he was on screen he shined but he never stole the scene. Yeah. He he very perfectly accented everything that needed to be happening in any given scene to 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 make the movie, you know, something that you wanted to watch, right? Mm -hmm. So I I 100% Wade was an amazing character. Shout out, you know, Henry Zabrowski and uh and everything he's done. Uh last podcast on the left, if you notice us, we do yep. horror too. So um <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, then then I'm going to take the low hanging fruit here, and 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 I'm going to talk about Hank. I, I mean Jeremy Gardner. Mm. When this thing started, I, I'm looking at this guy, and I was like, okay, 
you know, just kind of before anything gets going, I'm like, all right, it's a guy who wants, you know, it's his, it's his girlfriend's birthday and he's going to go down on her, you know, good for this guy. Right. Yeah. Like, like a man yeah. of the people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Someone to look up to finally in a horror movie. Right. <laughs> or down on <laughs> depending on, you know, where, where you are in, you know, geographically speaking. In, Correct. In that situation. Exactly. It's all about, it's all about positions, people. <laughs> and so, but as it, as, as the movie, as the movie progressed, we got this very again that I think one thing that we're going to keep going back to as we talk about the as we talk about these people is we got this very real guy who, yeah, lives in a town that that and, and runs a bar in said town that, you know, maybe he doesn't care about, but it's all he's ever known. And I work in a small town here in Alabama. I know this guy. I know Hanks. I know guys that that have you know been with just the one girl for 10 years and and whether real or just have convinced themselves that that this is this is as good as life gets. You know, we we go drink at the shitty bar that we own, we come home to our shitty house that's been passed down through my family and and we're never going to fix it, but that's okay because it's ours. There was a level of uh, of just absolute uh, rawness to Hank in the fact that uh, mainly by the time we see him, he has no choice but to wear all of these things on the surface. There, there is no protective layer left. This guy is 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 just, I mean, warts and all out there for the world. At one point, he makes mention of the fact that one of the things that was making his life so hard when she left is he was trying to keep from airing their dirty laundry. Mm -hmm. Anybody who knows shit about a small town, even if it's just from listening to music or watching movies, that's damn near impossible to do. Yeah. There's not a lot going on in these places. So people hang out at bars and little league baseball parks and they talk <laughs> shit about each other. It's what they do. And so, you know, not so, much yeah. else to do. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And so you, so you've got this guy who's, who's dealing with all of this. And what was amazing to me about Gardner's performance through this is how different the version of Hank in flashbacks was from the grizzled raw version of Hank that we got in the present. Hmm. When, when we got these flashbacks of Hank, he was just this googly eyed, just, you know, mess of a guy that knew nothing except the fact that he loved this woman. And every little thing he did that showed in these flashbacks. And it was incredible. If you had told me that uh, Bria Grant and Jeremy Gardner were a real life couple, I would have absolutely believed you mm -hmm. because the way that they were in those flashbacks, there's was chemistry so there. So good. Yeah. Yes, there absolutely was. And I mean, and, and they, they had that great relationship thing where it, it felt real cause, cause they, they ragged on each other, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's no good relationship without just fucking roasting the other person. That's what you do. It's the right? heart and soul. It absolutely. Is. You find out that you were about to listen to a mixtape he made for another girl. 
you take him out behind the woodshed and beat his ass. <laughs> and she did. And yeah. it was incredible. And he laid there and he took it and he laughed because he knew it all came from a place of love. I was so wrapped up in his fascination with wine because she loved wine. And so many of those scenes revolving around wine. Like This is the most a movie has been about wine since Sideways. Yeah. Right. Like, mm-hmm. It was, it was, it was simultaneously a, a nothing part of the story and it was fucking everything. And I feel like that because of how important Jeremy Gardner made me feel like wine was when this movie comes down to nuts and bolts. And I get to the rating of this, this section that we're in right now is what's going to sell me. This is the section of this show that I'm going to tell people about if I tell them that I think they should watch this movie. I'm going to say it's super fucking weird. But you, you, the guy who directed this also starred in it and just, and he, he, he killed it. It was unbelievable how good he was. And I also love that they didn't pull the thing that Hollywood so often does where it's like, ah, oh, Look at this guy. He's from a small town and it's like Brad Pitt, but in overalls. Right. <laughs> <And it's> like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, ah, no, he's, a, he's a very average dude. He looks like a blue collar dude mm-hmm. who, who didn't just, who didn't get a groomed beard. Cause he needed a beard for a role. He looks like a dude who was like, okay. And next week, two weeks from now, we're going to be shooting the scenes that are in the present. So he just let that shit grow. Mm-hmm. And, just everything that he put in i feel like this dude poured i don't know anything about him as a person but this character was so amazingly portrayed that i can only imagine he poured a ridiculous amount of life experience yeah. into this character and i love him for that um he he was incredible he was absolutely incredible and part of why he was so incredible is because bria grant Daphne from just, Heroes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, she's she is easy to fall in love with. Yes. There's there's something about her because um I wouldn't say that she's beautiful. She's I not uh, Abby is not, but Bria Grant is. Right, so, right, 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 go. right. Yeah. A- Abby is not like stunning. Right. You know, um, but there is something about her that is alluring. There's something about her that is, it just, it sucks you in. There's a gravity to her. And Bria Grant is part of that. And it's so easy to not see how much of the relationship she was carrying before she comes back. Because you're just sucked in by her gravity. Right. And it's like, this is their relationship and this is their relationship, but it's not. It really isn't because his um, his making everything about wine is really just a way for him to give just enough to feel like he's given enough and yeah. give no more because he's like, oh, I know you like wine. So he gets her like he knows nothing about wine. So he gets, he gives her this peanut wine 
right? <laughs> and it's funny. It's very funny, <laughs> right? Um, and I was actually thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, if this wine tastes like PB and J, like I want in, right? I'm, but I'm like here for it. But that's not that's not it because they keep going back. He keeps going back to that same wine. He doesn't take the time to actually learn wine with her. Right. Um, like one of the things that I absolutely love about my wife is that she can today, um, not when we first met, but today she can tell you a guitar player by listening to the style. She can pick up a song like in the middle and she's like, that's Slash or that's Jimmy Page or that's Jimi Hendrix or that's this or that's that. And, you know, I'm not talking about like, fuck, I mean, you, you listen to Purple Haze and you know it's Jimi Hendrix. But like if right. you listen to some B-side shit, she can pick it out. And it's because she listened to me nerd out about guitar players <laughs> for so <laughs> yeah. long and and try to replicate things. And, and when, when I would like get excited and geek out over the fact that like, oh shit, I just figured out this one little thing that like, you know, whoever Eddie Van Halen would do like that is putting in the hard work to, to really get into something that your, that the, your, your significant other is into, right? Like I've tried to do that with Bravo. I don't fucking, <laughs> I, I could not give a shit about the fucking housewives until I decided, you know what? Like she's into that shit. Let me try it. And you know what? I fucking like it. <laughs> Not for me, but I like it. Right. And that's and that's the sort of thing that we didn't really see him do until the end. I was about to say, uh, if you hadn't had it until the yeah. end, I was. I we was, didn't, I was we didn't see him one. do that. When you start looking at all the flashbacks, it's like, no, she's carrying the relationship. He's giving. He's giving a little. He's giving a morsel. And expecting that the return is you give me everything. You give me your entire plate because I've given you this morsel. I started to suspect that that's where this was going when he calls her and like it's clear that she hasn't been home in a while. And, you know, he's like the bills are piling up and you normally handle this like that's red flag number one for me. I'm like, nah, man, you're a fucking adult. You can do this shit, too. And and I really love the way that he played that out because he was so endearing. He endeared himself and I felt sorry for him because what she did was shitty from a certain point of view. But she right. also needs to take care of herself. And yeah. so I, I think I think that there was such amazing acting with both of them together and when they were apart. Because her absence was missed. Yeah, it's uh, this is one place where like, yeah, I can hate on on the um, on the story and what I think is the the shoehorning of a monster into a real monster into the story. But this is one area where it's like, no, man, they fucking nailed it. Every character is well written. Every character is well acted. And and I've got nothing bad to say here. Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible when you when you we you know we talk about them both as separate characters but their their relationship almost kind of manifested and became like a character in the show mm -hmm. right because we watched their relationship change 
And, you know, what do you look for when you look for in a character? You look for something that's dynamic. You look for someone who who goes through an arc. And we watched the arc of their relationship. And I think that when you when you look at them together, you start to pick out all these little things that were great. Uh, and they, they kind of manifest when they get back together. When she's talking about, you know, is there any way that you could be happy if we had this one bedroom walk up and you couldn't just walk out into the woods whenever you wanted to. And just that one little throwaway line shows how much she knows that this town is important to him, regardless mm -hmm. of whether or not he says it's shit. It's, it's his town. Right. And she says, you know, do you know, do you know, does anybody know the appropriate way to, to taste wine? And he hits her with all the S's, right? Mm -hmm. Swirl, sniff, sip, savor. I think there's a fifth one. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like you do enough of it and you're uh, shit faced. That's the last <laughs> S. There's yeah. the last S. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and he, and he hits her with that and you, you see it on her face and, and you, you say, man, yeah, they're, they're, their relationship is evolving mm -hmm. and it, and it did become a character and it was a driving force behind things. Their relationship almost more so than Hank and Abby themselves was the protagonist of this movie. The, the rise, fall, and rise again of Hank and Abby mm -hmm. is what carries this movie. And it, it very much did become a living, breathing thing. It became something that you were so invested in that just a scene set to music of them going to a vineyard, you know, and you, you start to look at, well, you know, did, did he buy into her shit? Well, they they went to a vineyard and he seemed, you know, it's not like he was rolling his eyes and being a dick and checking, right. you know, the, 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 the scores on his phone. <laughs> he was there and he was grabbing yep, grapes. He was in and it. Yeah. He was, he was in that moment. And when we get all of the time that she's not there, her absence is a character. So Abby's always there, right? Because yeah. the weight of Abby is always present. And so you just, when I start to look at all of these things, you know, th there are so many times when we're, when, when we look at a movie and we say, I'm willing to overlook a, because of B, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and when I have thought back on this movie all day, I have been willing to overlook a couple of things that bothered me in the moment because I was just so invested. Like this is, this is a level of buy-in that I have not had. And it, and it may be because it's not just a straightforward horror, mm -hmm. but these characters made me care. I mean, down to her, you know, shitty ass brother-in-law, the, the local sheriff or whatever, Shane. Right. I, I mean, dude's just a prick, but he makes him breakfast. He makes him yeah. and, and gives yeah. him a pound of bacon and kind of, even in a shitty way, kind of helps him figure out what he might need to do for Abby to come he, back. He does. I do think that there's a bit of like self-righteousness there, but, um, but, I do like the way that he's like, you know, eat your food. Like he knows that he's, he's been drinking for probably 48, you know, 72 <laughs> hours. And he's just like, dude, you got to fucking get it together. Sober up and go home and wait for Abby. Yeah. And so, I mean, he, he, he does what he's supposed to do, you know, and he carries that. And so, you know, this this may be the first time in the history of the show we've spent more time on the character section in the story, but I think that it was very well deserving of it. And I think oh, that yeah. if we 
and you know, and I think that if we're going to find another silver lining here, I think if we're going to find something else that's going to kind of lean in the favor of taking this higher, it's going to be the filmmaking of this thing. I, I mean, this movie was very pretty. It was put together very well. I mean, take me through some of your highlights of of how this movie was made. Uh, man, I think that um, the the colors were gorgeous. Um, you know, that's something that in in editing you always have to make that decision. How saturated do I want these colors here? And I think that the it was really interesting that the inside of that house looks so drab all the time yeah. until Abby's there. And yep. then and then we've got this flooding of light that comes into the house. And um outside when he's uh when Hank is in his element, that's when we see a lot of color. We yeah, see a lot of green. We see a lot of blue, and we can see that there is color creeping back into his life. Um, because even at the bar, it's dark, it's dingy, and we don't really see a lot. Um, had it been in um, monochrome or sepia, it wouldn't have made a difference, right? And and I think that that's that's a great great way to get across to the audience that like his life is not in a good place um and then all those scenes in the past are so beautiful it's so it's so rich with color and then it's not just that the colors are highly saturated but they're also like soft yeah like abby um so it's not like you know this very um vibrant green it's it's almost like a pastel and and it's it's what was done with with the color palette with lighting in this movie, I think was great. I think it was masterfully shot. The cinematography in this is really great. And it's very simple. It's a lot of just people talking. And um, I'll be the first person to say that I, I typically like that kind of movie. Um, I mean, hell, my, my favorite spy novel has exactly one scene of action in it. And it's in the very last chapter. Um, so it's like, fuck, you know, I, I'm, I'm cool with that. And, um, I think in it, this isn't your typical horror movie, so I guess it should work. Um, if it were a more traditional romantic drama, I think it would have worked incredibly well. And, and it's not that it doesn't work here. It's just that the movie itself doesn't work for me, but it, it it's really well done the way that they do it. It, 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 I called it before sunrise monster edition for a reason like before sunrise did kind of set a new standard for what a um, romantic movie could be, what a love story could be. And this did a lot of that. And, um, and more than before sunrise, what this did was it showed what happens when they're not together. Right. Which we don't really get to see. We only ever see their relationship flourish in, in the before series. So um, I also think brilliant, brilliant rhetorical choice to tell this story from Hank's point of view. Because yeah. really, really, the main character here is Abby. And, and it is Abby's story. He's got to change to be a part of Abby's story. And to tell the story and show us that Abby is the good guy. 
and maybe yeah. it's maybe 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 it's just that I'm a feminist, and um, so I, I sided with her. But uh, because I can definitely see how someone can watch this movie and be like, "Nah, fuck her. You're not going to change. You got to be you." I, I, there's definitely a side to be had there as well. But to tell this story from his perspective and still be able to have me say, "You go, girl." That's that's a that's an <laughs> awesome, awesome feat of writing, feat of directing. Um, there is. There's a lot to like in this movie. I wasn't joking when I said this might be one of the best movies that we've done on the podcast, because from a filmmaking perspective, from an acting perspective, this is a monster of a movie. I just yeah. kind of wish it wasn't a monster movie. <laughs> well done. Well done. Sir. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, that you, you, you covered a lot of it there and I, I did notice, you know, like the, the complete and total desaturation of all color, mm -hmm. especially what because we really only saw him in the house at night when he was fighting for his life against yeah. this thing. And so I, I loved that. I did really enjoy a lot of the camera work, uh, the scene where he's, where he's chasing the thing into the woods and we get the scene where you you can bizarrely enough tell the camera is kind of frantically moving from his POV, even though the screen is pitch black. Because every time he fires the gun, we get this muzzle flare. And you they do such a good job of moving the the light source very quickly in that moment that then you feel the you feel the frenzy of of trying of of keeping moving with him. Uh, so I thought that that was great. I did love that brief little reveal of the monster in that thing, in that moment. I, I uh, design of the monster. You know, we what definitely not a monster who was worthy of their their own section like we do a lot of time with it with a creature right. feature. But the design of the monster was just something crazy and good, and and it was bizarre and new and weird and. I, I loved it. It was it was like some sort of fucked up, bizarre, possessed Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, and and I, and I was I was here for it. I, I loved it. I really enjoyed that. I loved the soundtrack to this yeah. movie, mm -hmm. even though a couple there was there was one time in particular where the song was so it was so bitterly on the nose for what was happening. And it's when Abby comes back and it's, it, it was almost like a scene from like family guy where they would be literally singing about what's happening <laughs> on the screen. And, and I'm sitting there going, all right, maybe this is a tad corny, but then they end it with him literally taking the needle off the record and then fucking off. Yeah. And you're like, okay, no, see not, not just oh this works perfectly it being too on the nose was part of the gag it was part of what you were supposed to buy into there you were supposed to be like why is this so on the nose and then see hank not fucking care how on the nose it was even though she was finally back that i thought was incredible uh the 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 the, the, the final song being stay lisa loeb if this gets to you somehow, just, just know big fan. Yeah. Right. Love, yep. love that. It's, you know, 30 years later, 
we're still milking stay. <laughs> Do the damn thing, right? Make that money. I, I heard you put it on a newfound glories album and sing it with them. Mwah. I mean, just just absolutely wonderful. And again, the song so perfect for the moment. That one not too on the nose, but then you you just you get that great scene of it being perfect, his voice being just just good enough to carry it. Right. This uh, Jeremy Gardner is a man who knew what his range was and didn't fuck around and go outside of it. Yeah. And, 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 and he put it right there. And so I think that the soundtrack for this was, was expertly picked. Uh, and, and just all of those things that went into making it that you talked about. I, I think that we, that we stack all of those up and those are the things where I'm willing to, I'm willing to do the the mental gymnastics of creating a headcanon that makes this monster jumping out at the end acceptable. <laughs> I'm willing to I'm willing to look at this bizarre proposal at the end and 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 a single tear roll down my cheek as this is suddenly the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, right? Like I'm I I was so just enamored with so much that was happening here that because of all of these things that this is one where like when we did the Texas chainsaw remake and we were like hmm, story, then we we're like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. Leatherface killed <laughs> everything that moved. Yeah. And we were like, and we, you know, stamped stamp of approval. This movie's like the opposite of that for me, the, the buy-in to everything but the horror elements was so good that I'm willing to put extra weight behind the few horror elements we got and, uh, and, and just really enjoy that. Um, I think we only have left to rate this thing. I think so. So we, uh, we talked about this at, um, well, not at the top of the show, but before the show, um, and there's a, a rather interesting thing that, um, you as, um, as a bartender m probably have seen this before. Um, I, I have seen people, we just call them mat shots. Um, different, you know, different bars have different names for them. Um, if you're ever considering mm. taking a mat shot, just know that it is mostly just juice and spit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> If there's, if there's anything that we're pretty careful of in the bar industry, it's getting the booze into the cup because that's where we make our money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine. I have to imagine. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's that novel a concept either. Like, yeah. it's just like, you know, listen, this thing that we spend like the bulk of our overhead on, make sure it gets to the customer. Um, yes. So um, I was like, I had never, ever heard of this before. I waited tables. I was in the restaurant industry, but not like on the bar side of things. So um, I had never heard of a gorilla fart before <laughs> or a match shot. I was just like, well, you just wash the thing out at the end of the night. I didn't know that there were people that were this committed. to. Oh, bar yeah. Life. I mean, it's usually like, it, you know, 132 in the morning, but I've seen it happen. <laughs> so, so Daniel, out of a possible five gorilla farts. Gorilla fart shots. How many gorilla fart shots do you give this? So if you go back to when I very first started this show, one of our very first episodes, we did the movie Demon Night. Mm -hmm. And when we got to the rating at the end, there were four of us on that episode. It was basically Geek Morgo Shiver. 
right? Because that was <laughs> that was the two of us, and it was Neri and Jeff. Mm-hmm. And when we came to the end to rate Demon Knight, Neri comes out of the fucking gate firing and gives it five. And I have thought about that moment so often as we've done this show, because we always say we create a unique rating system. We only look at what the movie intended to give us and did it achieve that. And I've always thought about the fact that it's like, man, the fucking like the, the balls on this guy to come out and say demon Knights of five. And I get it now. I understand why Neary gave Demon Knight a five, whatever we rated it out of. Mm-hmm. Because Demon Knight was exactly what it wanted to be. And it delivered every single thing that it wanted to deliver. It left it all out on the field. And there was there was no regret there. And so I'm about to say two diametrically opposed things. One, this is not a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. It's not. But it is a beautiful movie. It yep. is suspenseful. It does have some scary things. It has a dope monster. It's got amazing characters and a storyline and a love story that I was 1000% bought into. And I'm going to give this movie five gorilla fart shots because I have done nothing but think about this all day about how fucking weird it was about how this movie took the idea of a breakup and made me feel and understand that, that depending on when it happens in your life and with who it happens with, that that can be as traumatizing and as awful as losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. And did, am I maybe putting too much weight into that possibly, but that is the feeling that I got from this. There's, there's, you know, I, Human emotion will continue, will forever and always continue to evade me. There, 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 there are words for people like that that I don't clinically own, but <laughs> I will say that it is something that I do have a hard time wrapping my head around sometimes. Mm-hmm. And this movie made me feel that, and and it and it made me look in and it it did so much and so no this movie is not perfect but it is perfectly what it wanted to be and i feel like if you changed anything about this movie that it's that it is not as powerful i feel like if you add or subtract anything here that there you cannot make this movie better. I don't think that you can make this movie perfect. I think that this movie flourishes in its imperfections. I, I think that this movie created something that is unlike anything we've done on this show and may never do anything like this movie again. And for all of those reasons, this is a five gorilla fart shots for me. Man, I am um, <laughs> very happy for you. um that there's uh that there's a movie that speaks to you that way um and i'm i'm happy that you found it um i'm giving it to for um for cast and for filmmaking and uh i have grown tired of talking of this movie (laughs) i mean if you can't say anything as eloquent as what i just put together just say that (laughs) 
listen, I, I I know that the issues that I have with this movie are entirely because of me, and yeah. and and I know that um, it's a really well made movie. I have to give it a gorilla fart shot for that, and I have to give the cast. Uh, a gorilla fart shot for that as well. Um, but the ending ruined this movie for me. Um, I, um, if I, I, no, I'm trying, I'm going through my mind. Like there is no scenario in which I will watch this movie again. <laughs> um, like I was thinking like, well, what if this person asked, what if this was the scenario? Um, no. Fair. Um, hey, yeah. If, if we agreed all the time, it would be less interesting, right? So yeah. the quick math the quick math on that is this is uh three and a half gorilla fart shots. Yes. I mean, just just squarely in the middle there. And and we we have done what the fucking entire internet has done, apparently, which is apparently you love Split. the thing and yeah. I want to sing about it from the mountaintops, or you never want to watch it again. And Ever. it just so happens that yeah. we are on both sides of the river just throwing rocks at each other now. So <laughs> Thank you to everybody who has listened, who's joined us. If you're, if you are listening, um, not watching live, we'd love to have you live. We'd love to hear what you think about something like this, especially when we kind of have to get at one like this. So make sure mm -hmm. you check us out. We broadcast live on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, uh, every Wednesday at nine, eight central. You can find us. We're at shiver pod on all those places, or mm -hmm. you can head to shiverpod.com where you can find links to all of our social media and our T public site where you can order one of our shirts complete with some of our awesome art that the amazing Ellie Ray here in Tuscaloosa did for mm -hmm. us. There is plenty to find on all of those things. Very active on Instagram. Thank you to everyone who has given some ideas. If you have not been following us on Instagram starting next month, we are going to start the year of the monster and we're going to dedicate one month to a certain type of movie let's say antagonists. They don't have to necessarily right. be monsters, but kind of what we're building towards here is monsters. I will say that I think that one of the most fun parts about this is going to be digging into, say, vampires and trying to find mm -hmm. four drastically different vampire movies so we're not just doing Dracula retold right. four times. I think <laughs> that, that that's going to be a lot of fun. So if you're worried the year of the monster is going to turn into just one solid month of doing the same movie and over and over again, then you haven't been listening to us long because that's really not our shit, right? right. Like we're going to find a way to keep it interesting, to keep you guessing about what's coming next. So make sure you follow us on Instagram and we'll keep you informed about what's happening. Absolutely. So on behalf of all of us here at Shiver, we love you very much because <laughs> it's Valentine's February. Fright you very much. <laughs>